Good morning, everybody. Um, pardon me if I'm a little congested. I'm uh, trusting in the Lord to do our Sunday school today and in halls, so that's, that's good. Um, let's stand and have a word of prayer. <clears throat> oh, gracious Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, not with anything that I would want to say or do, but Father, that you would put, have put something on my heart, some words bring the people and Lord that it might be simple but Lord as I've once heard that Father you're as, as complicated as we might want you to be and as simple as we might need you to be so Father maybe you would take these few simple words that I have and bring them to the people in such a way that they might find encouragement deliverance and they might press the battle ever stronger so Father that if I could step out of the way and that it would not be my emotions or or my, my feelings, Father, but that it would be your word speaking through me. So, Father, I yield myself to you. Father, as we turn to your word, Lord, we ask that you would provide the context, the text that we would read. And we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I want to turn to um, Numbers 21. Let's see here. Numbers. Twenty-one and verse four. And uh, you know, a lot of times you have a Sunday school or a sermon or something, and you got seventeen, eighteen pages of notes with you know quotes and scriptures and a couple thousand words of you know your own commentary or whatever in there. And some days you have three scriptures on a piece of scrap paper. So <laughs> hopefully uh, you don't mind something real simple. Um, so Numbers 21 and verse 4 says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, and against, um, uh, spoken against the Lord, and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, then he be, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Um, so... This story, as I'm sure, um, you know, there's a lot we could say about it. I'm sure everyone's very familiar with it. Um, if you, you know, grew up in Sunday school, you've all heard the story, read the story many times. Um, so maybe this might not be anything new. But, you know, my mind, when I, to, you know, when I, I think about this, you know, if you're of any spiritual mind at all, immediately... The fact that the people 
would have, that it would be serpents amongst them, right? Should immediately be recognizing, and, and ultimately we know that, that the brass serpent is a type of the crucifixion, um, which we'll get into maybe a little bit in a minute. But this is a beautiful metaphor for, for salvation and, and for the, the state that humanity finds themselves in. Because, you know, looking back to, the, to, to Genesis and the original sin, we know that humanity has been bitten by a serpent, right? Humanity has been, you know, in the Garden of Eden, humanity was bitten by a serpent. That There was a, a poison injected into the, into the blood of humanity, and that all of us are now subject to that, right? That we carry this nature, this serpent nature within us that we don't necessarily want, we don't like it. It poisons us. It poisons the things that we do. It poisons the things that we think. And we're all subject to die by that, right? That we all will die eventually because of that, that bite of the serpent. And ultimately, there is a sacrifice. You know, there's an atonement, right? There was a sacrifice. There was a, 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 something that would be lifted up that we could, we could look to and be delivered from that. Um. But I, I want to just notice here that it, it was that the people began to complain, right? It was the murmuring and the complaining that brought the serpent into their lives. It was dissatisfaction with what they had. That, you know, here they were in the desert, and they begin to complain about God and against Moses and about what God was doing for them. He had just, you know, he delivered them from Egypt, he delivered them from, in, in, in this particular scripture, they had overcome. They had just gone to battle, and the Lord brought them through this mighty victory. And that wasn't good enough, right? They were in the desert before and with no food, and God is literally raining food out of the sky, and they're, like, complaining that they don't have any food, right? Because it says that they're, it says, well, we don't have any bread, we don't have any water, and we don't like this light bread. Well, light bread they're referring to is manna, Right? They're saying, well, the, the word that you've poured out upon us, our daily bread that you've given us, it doesn't make us feel good, right? It's not tasty enough, right? It doesn't, it doesn't give us immediate, you know, sensual, fleshly gratification. So we don't really want to eat that. What we really want is some, you know, something more tasty, something more, you know, that we, you know, our flesh likes more. And they're finding all these excuses, and they're laying this at the feet of God and, and the prophet, like it's their fault. Completely, completely focused on the here and now and the temporal, right? Not completely ignoring what God had already done for them when he delivered them out of Egypt. Completely ignoring what God was doing for them when he would take them into a promised land. And just looking at their particular issues right here, right now, and saying, well, I don't feel very good right now, therefore it's God's fault. Right? Therefore it's Moses' fault. And so God sends serpents amongst them. Um, you know, I, I once heard somebody say, and it just so, I thought it was pretty profound, said that complaining is for the devil what worship is for God. Amen. Like, huh, that's a thought. You know, people, how many times, you know, the Bible talks about giving praise to the Lord always, and, and everything that you do, give praise unto the Lord. And that's true, and you should do it. But how often are people praising the devil every time they open their mouth to complain. You know, every time we look at our situation and go, well, this is not to my liking, and you have some word of complaint, in, in, in complaining, you are ultimately lifting up Satan and what he's doing. 
and you're, and you're not recognizing that God is sufficient for all your needs. So, you know, and, and so many times people have, people have so much to, to complain about, whether it's, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the people complain about preachers, you know, they don't necessarily like one person or the other, you know, they have different preferences. And, you know, people are different, people have preferences, that's okay. You know, but how often do, um, you know, when you, nothing, nothing breeds discord in a, in a, in a group or in a body like people complaining, Amen. right? Amen. I don't know if, it, you know, anybody you've ever been like on a sports team or, or even like a construction site or something like that. And you got a lot of guys and, or girls or whoever, and everyone's trying to you know, work towards some common goal. And the conditions are miserable, and nothing's going according to plan, and the weather's bad, and, you know, whatever, whatever obstruction and, and complication has arisen. And everybody knows it's miserable, and it takes one person to start complaining, and then everyone wants to quit, right? Complaining will rip through a, 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 an organization so fast and just pollute the attitude of everyone involved so fast. It's like a plague, you know, and, you know, you, you know, my context, like I say, construction sites or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll be, everyone will be, you know, trying to push through, get the job done. It's miserable and everybody knows it, you know, material didn't show up on time and then it starts raining and now everyone's having to dig the ditch in the rain and it just got so much worse than it could have been. And it was hot earlier in the day. So now you have a sauna and everyone's got something to complain about and everyone's just talking about how miserable it is. And we all just want to throw our tools down and go home. And you get one person to start to complain, and it becomes infectious, and then everyone wants to complain. And before long, it's the boss's fault, and he should have checked the weather better, and I can't believe he sent us out here to dig this in the rain, and we're tearing up the customer's lawn anyways. And it's like, well, before long, it's whose fault that, the, that it rained? It's not the boss's fault that it rained, you know, but no, it's his fault, you know. It, it people will, and so when people get mad and discontent, suddenly they got to find somebody to throw under the bus, yeah. right? And so often our lives will be, will be, you know, we're going through some hard things, and really what it is is God teaching us to be content and to trust Him even when it, things get difficult, Amen. right? Amen. And the minute that people go to start complaining, the same thing happens in a church, by the way, you know. Things get difficult. Maybe there's, you know, something's going on. Maybe whatever it is, people start complaining and, oh, you know, you have one, one person in the church starts having a problem and suddenly the gossip starts coming around, you know, and people start getting, getting, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody breaks up into their little cliques and that clique is talking about that clique and this little group is, is you know, did you hear about what so-and-so did? Yeah. You know, and, it, and it, it's discord, it's, it's discontent, it's disunity in the church. How often do we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when, they, when the Holy Ghost fell on them and they were imbued with power, it was because they were in one mind and one accord. You want to break the oneness and the unity of a church, start complaining. Right? Start complaining. And before long, the serpent nature that's inside of everyone's going to start coming out. Right? The, you're going to have a church infested with snakes, infested with serpents. Everyone's going to get bit. And, and it's not just, you know, and it's discontent with anything. It's, it's, 
you know, just because they were, they, they had no faith in what God was doing. No faith in what, in, in the ability for God to deliver them from whatever situation they were in, whatever their, their trials were. And, you know, so oftentimes, you know, you look at your life and you ask yourself, why do I not have the ability to overcome? Why do I not have victory in my life? Why am I having all these troubles? Have you stopped to really think about when the last time you gave thanks to the Lord was? Right? Even when it's miserable, you're still supposed to raise your hands and praise the Lord. Even when, even when it's, you know, everything is disaster, that's not the time to start complaining. If you start complaining, of course you're not going to have any victory. You know, it's like, you know, we talk about that the, that the uh, you know, we've been made more than, you know, more than conquerors and overcomers. Well, what exactly are we conquering and overcoming? Amen. You know, it's, we don't have Amalekites across town that we got to go destroy, right? Though half the time people act that way. No, it's, it's the man in the mirror, right? That's who you're conquering. That's who you need to have victory over. And if you want to ensure that you fit, that, that guy beats you, start complaining, Right? Start complaining, and that serpent that looks back at you from the mirror will annihilate you. And so, ultimately, you know, I, I notice, you know, another thing that, to, to notice is that when Moses makes the serpent, they come to him and said, well, we've, we've sinned. You know, we, we spoke out against you when we spoke out against God. Pray for us that he, the Lord would deliver us of this, of these, this, this serpent, you know, this serpent nature that has attacked us. And the, the atonement, the brass serpent that he raises up, it doesn't make the snakes go away. It means that it doesn't have any power anymore, right? You're never, because of that serpent nature in your flesh, that fallen nature, that fallen man in your flesh isn't going to disappear until the rapture. Amen. You're going to live with him. Yeah. The, what, you know, the, 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 the brass serpent that we look to doesn't make that go away. It means that you have the ability to overcome it. It means it has no power over you. I want to turn to um, John chapter 3. And um, we'll go to verse 13. And it says, um, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have it eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and man loved a darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. 
But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that the deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so ultimately, you know, we look at, at this story, you know, of some people complaining and being discontent. And ultimately what their sin was is failure to believe in the delivering power of God. It's failure to recognize that the word of God had, had brought them that far, had brought them out of Egypt. That it was by the spoken word of God that they were where they were at that point, And that it was the same word that was going to carry into the promised land. And because they failed to hold that. They, they knew that God had brought them that far, and they just chose not to cling to that, to not put their faith in that. They just chose to look to their circumstances, and that's where, they, that's where the, the failure came. And so oftentimes, I mean, we fail all the time. You know, even if it's not necessarily, you know, complaining, it's always something. All sin is unbelief, right? All sin is failure to recognize who you are. And it recognized to, to believe that you should not do those things, you know. There's a, there's a difference between somebody who, who knows something and somebody who believes something, you know. There's a difference. There's a difference there. You know, I, um, I, so I, one time I went rock climbing at like one of those rock climbing places. And I don't like heights, I never have, but I wanna do it anyway. So I, I climb up this wall and it's really high up there. And um, you have your, your harness and your rope and everything. And the whole time you're climbing up there, I know in my head, I believe this thing's gonna hold me. This, I'm not falling off this off the side of this wall, right? I, I'm not gonna break this rope. But until you jump off the side of that wall and throw your entire weight, like, because you have to come back down, you have to rappel back down. Until you jump off the side of that wall and really put some faith in it, you don't really, you don't really believe in it, you know? It's that moment where you're at the top and your, your arms are kind of like, man, I got to jump off the side of this thing because I can't hang on anymore, but I really, really don't trust this thing. You know, I know. go and kick off that wall, you don't really believe it's going to hold you. Now, once you do, and you know, you feel the thing catch and you, and you go to the ground, now you believe in it. Now there's no trouble. You can go up and down that wall as many times as you want. And you have, and then it kind of becomes kind of fun, right? Cause you know, but so oftentimes we know, you know, we read the Bible and all oh, the Lord is a pres- ever present help in the time of trouble. And yeah, it's very good. But until you actually face it, do you really believe it? Right until it's time to really throw yourself into the hands of God and say, "Lord, you're all I've got." That's right. Do you really believe it? And so, my my, I guess my encouragement to you is that you know it's not enough to just say, "Well, I see this in the in the scripture. I know the Lord." You know, we look at ourselves because ultimately the 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 brass serpent and the serpents in the desert and all these things it's just a it's just a parable it's a metaphor it's a it's a type of what we struggle with today in this dark day this evil day of looking at ourselves in the mirror and recognizing all the places where we fail all the places where we fall short all the serpents in our lives that are just hanging off of us and half the time it's our own fault because of the places where we doubted the places where we fell short and now we have a serpent that's that we got to deal with you know, 
And we're having to come back to God and say, Lord, I, I need help. It was my fault that this happened, but will you help me anyhow? And, you know, God didn't, God didn't say, no, you brought this on yourself. Have fun with the snakes, <laughs> you know. He gave, him an, he gave him a way out. He gave him an atonement. You know, this is, that's where, that's where we have to, you know, when we come to God and say, Lord, I am bound by things that I brought on myself. The, you, there's a brass serpent to look to. You know, you don't have the, you know, you don't, and you're like, I, we look at these things and say, Lord, I can't overcome the man in the mirror. And that's correct. You can't. There's, you're not gonna. You literally can't do it. It's outside of your power, but, but you were never intended to, right? The Lord is there to help you. The Lord is, is the one. You know, one thing that I, that so struck me, about the scripture. So here's Jesus is showing there's a type between the brass serpent and himself, right? Obviously we know that Christ goes to the cross and, and here he is lifted up on a, on a pole, you know, like just like the brass serpent. And you could look to the cross, you could look to the serpent, you know, it's, you all see the type here. But the question that I had was, wait a minute, why does the type show a serpent on the pole? Jesus wasn't a serpent, right? Why isn't it a lamb up there? Well, you know, when the, because the, you know, we will talk about the lamb, you know, that the man, when he brought the lamb as a sacrifice, he put his hand on the lamb's head and he's, what he's doing is he's putting all of his sin onto this innocent one. The lamb didn't commit any sins, but the man did. And the man is putting his sin on the lamb. The lamb becomes his sin. And then when the lamb dies, so does his sin. Okay. And so when Christ goes to the cross, Christ was sinless. He was a perfect lamb, but your sin was on him. He took all of your sin, all the things that all of your sinful nature, all the places where you fell and you failed and you knew better and did it anyways. And he puts all that onto himself and he goes onto that cross. And when he dies, so does your sin. And it's not. And the reason why there's no lamb, Moses didn't raise up a lamb for the people to see, is because the lamb being Christ, right? It's looking a type of Christ. Who, I mean, Christ has, has no, you know, he's no father, no mother, no beginning of days or ending of life. You can't really kill him. Not really. You know, you could take him out of the world from it, but he came back. He resurrected because he has no beginning. Therefore, he can have no end. If there was a, you know, if there was a lamb on the pole, uh, you know, raised up for the people to look at. If Moses had made it a lamb, it's not a finished work because the work was finished when he resurrected. Right? But there was a serpent because when the lamb and the serpent both go to the cross, when it's all said and done, the serpent's the only thing still up there, right? The lamb got off the cross. The serpent didn't, right? The serpent had a beginning and it has an end, right? You might have faults and failures now, but ultimately that serpent nature that you struggle against died, it's gone. You don't have to be subject to that thing anymore. The, 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 the lamb has, 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 um, <laughs> that's, there's no power anymore because death has died, right? You're no longer subject to that. You know, the, the in, in Genesis, when, when humanity falls, there's a curse put on humanity that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's sickness, there's death, there's 
excuse me, things that we're going to encounter. But once the penalty for sin has been paid, you're no longer required to bear the burden of that. And so anything that we would come in, in, in need of, I mean, obviously, I don't know what any of y'all's situations are. Um, but just recognize that no matter what your situation is, even the greatest ones, the things that n- might not necessarily be, um, you know, so oftentimes we, at least for me, maybe y'all are different, but I know for me, a lot of the times it's, it's harder for me to look at the problems that I have spiritually and the struggles that I have and say, and to have faith for that than it is to even have faith for something like healing or, or something like that. Because I, it's easy for me to look at a sickness and say, well, by his stripes I am healed. You know, there's an atonement for that. You know, that was, that's just the curse of the devil and we're going to overcome that. But when you're looking at something that said, I did this to myself and I deserve it. Where, that's where you got to have faith, right? That's, that's hard, you know? And so I don't know what anybody, what anybody is, is dealing with. And it, I'm, just, I got, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to wrap up with this. You know, I just want to encourage all of you all to recognize that, you know, even no matter what the situation is, Amen. there's an atonement, there's a brass serpent to look to Christ, no matter what your situation is, no matter where you're struggling, no matter how the devil has come against you, there is, a, a, there is an atonement and a brass serpent, and you can look at, look at that, yeah. and you can look at that and say, I know where my current situation is, Right? And the, and the devil may have me in a bind right now, but I can look to that atonement and recognize that is the devil's end. So let's, let's stand and have a, a word of prayer real quick. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for this little, little Sunday school lesson that you've given us, Lord, and we ask that you would be with the people. Father, we yield our hearts to you, Father, totally and completely. Lord, in a constant, fresh consecration to you each and every day. Lord, that is the, the worship would come, the worship service would begin, that we could open our hearts fully and accept the, we'd lift up your name in praise and worship. Father, content in all that we do. Lord, we, we want to make you number one in our lives, lift you up above our lives and, and put you first. That, Father, that if we would raise you up as a banner and follow after, Father, that we would be, that we could have victory in all that, all that we encounter. So, Lord, commit the people to your hands. Father, the remaining of the service, that you would come in the, in the worship service and that we could, you would uh, open our hearts, Lord, and that they'd be receptive and ready for the, for the ultimate form of worship, which, which is this preaching of the word, and that the people would be edified and, and healed and there would be healing and deliverance, Father, that you would be with us throughout the remainder of the day. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.